0: Hello and welcome to episode 7 of the Derbyshire Wildlife Trust podcast. This is quite an exciting episode because it's the first episode of our new format, so... Historically, what we've done with these episodes is mostly we've read articles from the Derbyshire Wildlife Trust magazine, which have been great and really interesting content. But the content of that magazine has stimulated us to get out and about and start meeting some people and creating episodes where we record outside in the wild with people that are involved in the Derbyshire Wildlife Trust work. So this is the first episode of that type. And for this one, I went off to Millersdale in Derbyshire and met up with Kate Bradshaw, who's a Living Landscape Officer for Derbyshire Wildlife Trust. I start by asking Kate to tell us a little bit about the project that she's currently working on.
1: So, as you said, we're at Millersdale Station, so we're going for a a wander. We're gonna head into the woods in Millersdale. Um, Like you said, they're steep-sided limestone valleys that are covered in mostly ash woodland, Um, so they're called ravine woodlands and so we're going to go and have a look at some of the ash trees which sadly have ash dieback so we're going to have a look at some of the felling work we're going to be doing to try and mitigate that problem.
0: And so, so I guess a, a part of this then is, and I, I heard you speaking earlier, that um, there's a kind of sort of public reaction to cutting down trees which I suppose is fairly logical it's like oh that is that a good thing to do cut down trees when what you're trying to do is preserve wildlife?
1: Yes so Obviously trees are are awesome and cutting them down is always going to be a sad thing no matter how old they are. Um, The problem we have is we have ash dieback in the Peak District which is a fungal disease um, which is going to eventually kill probably between 70 to 95% of all the ash trees in the UK. So it's fairly major um, and we have two problems. One is on all our footpaths and roads. Obviously the trees are becoming more and more unsafe so we've got to do felling to make sure that people can still access sites and roads are safe. We have another problem that lots of our woodland that we look after, because they are these steep-sided limestone woods, um, they're quite ash dominant. Quite a high percentage of the trees in there are ash. And if they all die in quite a quick period of years, it's gonna have a massive effect on the woodland ecosystem. So the whole point of the project is to try and mitigate that and make the woodlands more resilient to this threat and any future threats
0: ash is a tree then that likes these conditions because so it's, it's a pretty tough place to be i'm looking at it now you know and, um, this it looks like a hard kind of harsh environment right on the edge of a hill a stony sort of rocky place um, this is something where ash does quite well normally
1: um yes so ash is quite um, resilient in that sense, there's not a lot of soil in lots of these ravine woodlands. Um, so it's a bit of a combination of why there's so much ash here. Partly it's able to grow here and not all tree species can. Um, there should be a higher proportion of other species, like um, small and large leaf lime, but probably because of the effects of the way humans have interacted, we might have lost lots of our larger species like lime. And ash is really, really good at being a first coloniser, so when all the mining activity stopped, it would have been one of the first trees that grew and so will have become dominant early on and it's really good at reseeding and regenerating itself right. where species like lime aren't as good and aren't as quick to regenerate. So ash has sort of become dominant for a variety of reasons, but that's okay. what we've ended up with.
0: Great, great. Um, and we can hear a bit of a road in the background because we're just walking over the bridge on the Monsal Trail um, with a fairly large road underneath it. They were making a lovely noise there. Was that the crows? Yes, we'll, Yeah. We'll, we'll those flying around yeah. Time. Yeah.
1: Um, we do get things like ravens and stuff around here, and lots of woodland species. Um, they're hiding at the moment.
0: Oh. <laughs> cool. So. Ah, so now we're going to climb up a little bit. Yeah. So we're right. going to
1: head off the trail at this. This is an old lime kill here. So we're going to head off the trail, and we'll sort of head down into the woods a bit um, to have a look at the trees.
0: Okay, what, what are you showing us here, Kate? So
1: we've just stopped at a very tiny ash tree, so it's probably only one or two years old. Um, the ash dieback disease tends to affect the youngest trees first. So I just wanted to stop here to show you this early signs of ash dieback in this sort of one-year-old sapling. The top half of the tree has gone sort of a, a browny yellow colour, whereas it should be a really sort of lovely pale green colour. Um, so that's the sign of ash dieback working its way down the stem. It ta- starts at the very tips of any tree any ash tree and works its way towards the centre so it's quite easy in the younger trees you start to see the the top half of the the little saplings die off and that's that's ash dieback.
0: Okay so and yeah you can see that it's it's the very very tip of this sapling it's very light brown and it sort of darkens and then goes to its original lighter green colour as it goes down towards the ground. Yes and yeah. you can
1: sort of see a, a quite a, a strong line where it changes from the the dark to the green, um, you do sometimes see sort of a, it's called a diamond lesion and it's a sort of a diamond shape around where the branches come out, so it almost, it's sort of one there, you can see there's like a sort of the bottom half of the diamond around that little branch and then sometimes they're quite an obvious sign but we don't see them on all the trees.
0: Right, and so this tiny sapling here um, is, is directly next to a sort of larger sapling or or would, they, or would you say that's part of the same tree?
1: Um, it's, it's hard to tell because they're sort of a foot apart. They might yeah. be from the same rootstock or they might just be two separate trees.
0: If that is the on. same, is, it, is that one doomed?
1: Um, well, you, there's a very small percentage that it's a resilient one, so it might not be doomed, um, but it's certainly showing signs. It doesn't mean it's necessarily gonna die, but but especially with the young ones, they have a lot less resources. They can't fight it as well. Mm. So it's probably not long for this world, sadly.
0: Oh sad yeah okay right thank you but that's great and really interesting I think and when you look at that you wouldn't necessarily. in my head I imagine any tree that's dying would be sort of more affected at the bottom I don't know why Um, and when you see something like that you might just think oh that's just a damaged branch or a part of that um, and it's okay at the bottom so it must be doing all right but but sadly that's that's completely wrong so yeah Yeah. it
1: takes a while to get your eye into all the little signs of Mm. ash dieback when the when the leaves are out on everything it's easier because ash trees that are suffering from it tend to have not as many leaves their tips don't have any leaves and especially in the later summer you start to see sort of whole branches might be curled up brown leaves when they should be green and that's a sign of ash dieback taking taking them out
0: and Kaylee's getting some photographs of the um that particular tree so hopefully that will be somewhere on a website where someone can look at that and discover what it looks like, brilliant. I see what you mean about colonising though because I can now I start to look I can see a lot
1: yes yeah small
0: ash trees sort of poking up and further up over there you know it's quite a tall one over there
1: yeah so we've got a sort of big patch of bramble um,
0: and the one over to that furthest over with a bramble growing through it is that ash as well it looks, it um, looks very brown so yes it yeah. does it's
1: a bit hard to tell it might yeah. be um a young hazel uh, ah, there's quite bracken. a lot of hazel in this woodlands and that tends to be a sort of browny gold color so yeah. we'll have to get a bit closer to find that out um, as
0: we're walking through here i'm noticing this uh, large amount of moss it's very kind of moss and and bracken um and with the there's virtually no leaves on the trees now um so it's very green is this moss? Is this a sign of? Is this a good sign for these areas, or is it, or is it a bit? Is it a bit too much?
1: Um, it's not a, a bad sign. It's um, it's just a, quite a damp woodland because we're at the bottom of what we call the ravine woodland, and um, so it doesn't get much sunlight. We're on a north-facing slope. Um, So just in the same way in your own garden you might have a damp little spot under a hedge that never sees any sunlight and it gets a bit mossy Um, the same things happen with the woodlands up on the top if they're south facing or they get loads of sun you'll see less moss but down the bottom in the ravines it's sort of quite a damp environment so you get these really nice fern moss dynamics going on with the on the ground
0: right And this is an EU project.
1: This project, the EU Life in the Ravines project, is um, looking at ravines within the Derbyshire Dale Special Area of Conservation. Um, So it's a £5 million project that's hopefully going to try and mitigate the effects of ash dieback within the Derbyshire Dales. But um, obviously ash dieback is all across Europe, so there's other projects going on in a million different ways to try and mitigate the effects of ash dieback. But because it's... um, a special area of conservation. That means these woodlands are important on an international scale because there's not many habitats like it. And within the UK, 16% of ravine woodlands are in the Derbyshire Dales. So it's why it's so important to try and preserve them, not just for the trees, but all the birds and insects and ground flora that go with them don't have many other places to go because it's such a rare habitat. So. I'm just keeping an eye out in the woods because we have started to mark up trees that we're going to be looking at felling this year so right i'm just keeping an eye out and oh. just above us there's some fluorescent spray on a tree and um, there's sort of double green lines directly above us and there will also be some orange spray on trees as well which you've got is... your
0: eye in because i can't <laughs> see oh so no i can quite far up halfway yes. up the hill there yeah. i can see that yeah okay
1: it's quite well hidden so part of the project Um, It's led by Natural England and Natural England have been doing some of the marking up. For the project, all of the woodlands that are part of the project um, were walked through. They're all marked into hexagons. Each hexagon was assessed for how many ash trees there were, how poorly the ash trees were, what other species were there, and from that we get a risk analysis of how vulnerable each hexagon is to ash dieback. So woodlands like this, in this little patch we're in, It's quite vulnerable because, as you can see, all of the trees pretty much in the top canopy are ash trees and there's not many other species here. We've seen a little bit of willow on the walk-in and there's a little bit of hazel and hawthorn in the understory but in terms of what actually makes the woodland cover, it's all ash trees. So if we were to lose all the ash trees quite quickly, we would sort of almost run out of woodland in here. Which would mean that all the birds and things would have to move somewhere else so these bits are sort of a high focus and where we're going to start filling Mm -hmm. because they seem the most at risk to ash dieback. basically
0: so it's a fine line between sort of weeding out if you want the 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 plants are not doing so well but without taking away so much habitat that you impact on on everything else
1: yes so the the project is five years and we're only going to intervene in 25 percent of the woodland so there's always going to be you know 75 percent of our woodlands in the Derbyshire Dales are going to be left as they are. Right. Um, but with these little interventions, it's going to be small pockets where we sort of fell younger trees within these hexagons and then replant with species that are here just aren't as dominant as ash. So things like small and large lime, um, elm, oak, birch, that so sort it's of thing. So a bit of
0: a problem of sort of over popularisation. It's, it's too dominant and therefore it's at risk because of that. It's no, not enough diversity in essence. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's
1: that's pretty much it. So yeah. we're we're sort of dealing with the threat of ash dieback, but there's other tree diseases out there that are in Europe that haven't got here yet, and climate change has an unknown impact on how these woodlands are going to function. So the more diverse they are in terms of species, and the more diverse they are in terms of age, the more resilient they'll be as woodland communities. Um, so although we're dealing with ash dieback, hopefully the impact will make them more resilient to whatever happens in the future as well. Mm, okay. Um, and also all the, all the woodlands are different. Like if we, if we walk 100 meters up the hill, it'll almost be willow dominant in some areas of this woodland. And each woodland is so different, whether it's at the top of the slopes where it gets all the sun or down the bottom. So that's why we've had to mark up these hexagons and do tiny little patches of woodland and assess them all individually because the woodlands change quite quickly. Mm. And so some of them are gonna be more at risk than others.
0: So, um, and here's a tree wrapped in ivy with some fluorescent green paint across this one are these all
1: ash here all Um, of these trees yes pretty much all the trees we're looking at now uh, ash uh, there's some young hazel and some young witch elm in here but um, all of the the larger trees we're looking at are ash trees and so this is a hexagon coop that's been marked up by natural england to to be felled this winter hopefully so we're we're looking at a tree that's got two fluorescent green stripes on which is the center of the hexagon, oh. and then when we look right, we can see another two green stripes, which is sort of the edge. So they mark there's double green stripes that mark the edge of the coop, so that when the team come in to do the felling, they know what area they're working coop. in. Coop like chicken coop. Yes, apparently it's from the French to cut. Ah, so, okay. Yes, so it's sort of used into a small wooden. Is that area. the same
0: with chickens?
1: I don't know, to be honest. It's a bit bleak, yeah. isn't it? That's is a bit bleak. If that's the case, I'm not sure. We're going to have to Google that one. Yeah, maybe. we are. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. So
0: where's the? I'm trying to see the outline. Oh, over there. Okay. So you're talking, if this is the centre and that's the the outer outer edge, then they are. What? That's about. 15 to 20 metres away from, I I suppose, from the centre, something like that? I think they're
1: 56 metres in diameter, but I will have to check Okay. It's roughly that. Okay,
0: (laughs) something like 20 metres over there then. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, So what Natural England have done after we did all the assessments of how vulnerable each area was, the most vulnerable areas, they're starting to mark up to be worked within. Um, So they're marking the edges and then they look for hazards. So if you see any orange spray paint, that means it's a, a dangerous tree that, when they come, the team come in to fell, they just need to keep an eye on and not be underneath or anything like mm-hmm. that. Um, so what they're gonna do is they'll fell smaller ash trees um, and then make space to, to replant with different species is the idea and that's gonna be happening for the next five years within lots of the woodlands within the SAC that are these steep limestone. For being woodlands i mean obviously
0: that's um, in terms of the cutting down and the identification and stuff that's quite a per- that's an important professional role that someone's taking are volunteers helping at all with other aspects of the replanting or being part of um the whole process
1: yes so it's lots of different organizations are involved so each organization is doing things differently but um there definitely will be volunteers getting involved some organizations Uh, sort of clearing some of the smaller trees with volunteers, Um, some of the planting will be done by volunteers. As you can see, lots of the woodland is super steep, so some of it isn't accessible to everyone. So you sort of, some of the areas it's easier to get large groups of people in to plant, which is great. Um, Other areas it's a bit tricky. So yes, it's all different depending on which bit of woodland you're in and which organisation we're working with.
0: As Kate and I talk about volunteers, it feels like a good moment to say thank you to members of the Derbyshire Wildlife Trust who enable this and all of the other projects that are done to protect the wildlife in Derbyshire. If you're not a member of Derbyshire Wildlife Trust, then please check the link in the show notes because right now, as we release this podcast in January 2022, there is a 25% off Um, opportunity for anybody that would like to join uh, and that is um, open until the end of this month so open until the end of January 2022. Um, It's a great opportunity to find out all about what Derbyshire Wildlife Trust are doing um, and to receive regular updates including a magazine with lots of articles about what they're doing so please check that out and now let's get back to the ravines project. You actually tell us about you Kate so how long have you been? been doing this kind of work? Is this, has this been your life's work? Or uh, have you come to this later? What, what's, your, so what's your story? So I'm
1: really new to Derbyshire Wildlife Trust. I've only been here about two months um, and before that...
0: Two months? You two turn months. up two months you start cutting all the trees I down. I know! Oh. Shocking
1: isn't it? <laughs> um, but So I used to work for the National Trust before and um, so I was, I was there for about eight years with the National Trust in different places but I came straight from the White Peak uh, National Trust. So same area and um, I was working on mostly on a woodland project doing a a similar sort of thing to what the EU Life Project is going to continue doing.
0: So similar kind of trees based ash dieback so you brought your expertise to this new job. Hopefully that's the plan. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
1: So we're sort of reaching towards the edge of the woodland so we're going to um, crack on up up some. Oh you're gonna make steps. us do some climbing now do okay yeah all right yeah
0: so those interested in coming on this little journey that we've gone to we left the car park we walked down the Montsoult Trail and then sort of straight over onto a small path on the other side of the river is that the y? Yes. yeah it's yes. the why yeah and we can hear the Y quite full running quite rapidly at the moment. Yes, yes. yeah, it's had
1: a, a lot of rain in the last few days, so yeah. all the river levels are really high at the moment.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so we have got the road next to us as well. Yes. Which is nice and loud.
0: Yeah, you have to go a very long way, unfortunately, in the UK <laughs> to not get road sounds.
1: You do, so <laughs> ah, we, were we were just talking here. about a bit of ground floor. So if we look behind us over here, um, there's a the third, it's really long...
0: So I have a little confession to make captivated as i was at this moment by kate's description of the woodland and the wildlife around us i neglected to point the microphone in her direction so this bit is almost inaudible to you but what kate is describing is a heart's tongue
1: damp woodland round here so that's a, a really nice sort of old woodland species and we've also got dogs mercury which doesn't look like anything special it's just got of got leaf-shaped leaves in pairs um, but this woodland will be covered in it um come spring and ah. that's a, an ancient woodland indicator um, so although it is quite common it's also quite special which is nice
0: lovely and does that flower in the summer things like that or is it just it just sort of ground cover
1: it's mostly ground cover there are male and female um types of the plant and it does have small flowers but they're not very thin, you know they're not a nice big blousy pink flower no no nothing small, not showy offy group. yeah no no little flowers and
0: the fern sorry what did you call the fern
1: again heart's tongue
0: fern which is rather like a sort of long tongue I suppose it is, yeah. yeah
1: hence the name yeah but, um, <laughs> yes again it doesn't look like anything fabulous at this time of year but um, yeah. it is quite a nice sort of rare species um it's quite common in
0: oh, the I can see forest. something on the bottom of the leaf there but I don't know what that is
1: Oh, they're they're sort of like brown, they look almost like tiny brown caterpillars, so that is um, how they reproduce, it's where they have little spores um, Ah. that grow, so when you look on the underside of ferns, sometimes they have really crazy patterns, particularly in late summer when they're all doing their thing, sometimes they can be bright orange or yellow or or brown, Um, some of them are dots, some of them are, are lines, like the one we're looking at, loads of little lines, so it's always worth looking under a fern yeah yeah so they, okay they so that's how dazzy. it reproduces yes yeah right
0: and there's only one there's you know i noticed a lot of the oh, what was this one called dog's mercury dog's mercury but a, but quite a limited amount of the tongue ferns only yes, one so there it's, I can't...
1: it's not as common it's quite a, a nice thing to see i suppose right. there's a tiny baby ones behind
0: ah this, yes okay
1: um but yes yeah. they're not as common so what you have with ash trees, because they, they're super late to come into leaf and they're quite early to drop. Historically, people used to call them the lazy tree because um, they're not in leaf for anywhere near as long as other trees are. Ah. But that creates quite a special dynamic on the ground. If you can imagine, the, because it's so late to come into leaf, it gets quite a lot of sunlight in early spring and then it drops really early. So you get quite a lot of sunlight in late autumn, which is different to other tree species that are really early to come into leaf. They create a lot more shade, so you get a different ground species uh, okay Um, so it is quite hard to simulate the ash tree because of because of that so you're trying to get more variety and so that some patches will have more light and some will be more in shade so that we try and keep some of these really cool plant species that have grown up on the ground
0: it's quite a delicate ecosystem you're playing with because of just yeah. and, that, and that one that's quite fascinating that one difference in terms of how long they keep their leaves for makes a big difference to the light yes uh, okay yeah yeah, yeah. and
1: and some of the species I mean it's quite an inaccessible woodland um, but there's, there's some species in there that are really really rare and there's not many places in the UK that they are in um, and it's a rare habitat so if we're to lose it there's nowhere for it to go mm. um, so there's some plant species that we're really keen to try and keep as much as possible mm. um, we have got some plants that have got little fences around them because they're so so rare we're trying really? to stop any deer browsing or anything like that Oh
0: happening. Well. And do you get deer in these woodlands?
1: Uh, we do, it's quite quite small numbers at the moment, um, really small numbers. Some parts of the um, Derbyshire Dales do get quite high deer numbers. We get Roe and jack and some Red Deer in places. Um, but here it seems to be quite low numbers at the moment.
0: Okay, and I notice there's a lot of um, uh, nest boxes up and around in this woodland. Um, what, what, what are the nesting birds that are likely to be getting in on the because like I say easy and accessible you talked about ravens um yes. you know it's a certain which won't certainly won't be fitting in those boxes <laughs> um, but but I guess like you say for some birds it's a great place for them it keeps them nice and safe yes um yeah.
1: Yeah. So we we get uh, flycatchers and redstart and loads of different tit species. Um, so it is quite a varied woodland. They're always really hard to see because they're always quite small and up in the woodland canopy. So unless you're really good at bird calls, it's quite hard to to see them and and work out what they are. But it can be quite it's quite quiet today. But sometimes you can be sort of surrounded by lots of chirruping and various bird noises, yeah, which yeah. is really nice. And you do get you can hear woodpeckers and things. Um, which it feels really like a nice. good
0: place for woodpeckers.
1: Yes, yeah, and yeah. Um, sometimes you hear, I've heard thrushes in here before, they have a, a way of breaking open snail shells on rocks which is called the thrushers' anvil, because um, often they'll go back to the same rock, um, oh, well. so sometimes when you hear a, a tapping that isn't quite the sort of hollow wood beat of a woodpecker but a repetitive shelly tap, that can be a, a thrush breaking Getting into, into the, its food, into snail yeah. shell. so I've heard that in here before.
0: Excellent. That's lovely. Okay, do we want to go any further up? Is there anything else that we want to...?
1: Um it's, it's sort of more woodlandy stuff. We might just walk a bit far. There's quite a lot of ash regrowth on that tree up there, so we'll go and have a look at that. Okay. And see if we can see anything interesting. Is that dead man's fingers? Fungi.
0: Hayley oh. thinks she's found dead man's fingers? I
1: think that's what they're called. There's so many different names for that. But um, yes, it's like a weird, weird fungus um, that grows in sort of black they look like black stubby fingers reaching out of a branch basically as Katie said. <laughs> Dead man's fingers. Um, oh okay yes you so see that there, yeah sort of yeah. Hand-shaped groupers in them there. Um, so yes I think that's what they're called.
0: Okay so we've got a, is this a fallen ash here?
1: It's a basket there. A, <laughs> a wicker basket.
0: <laughs> I mean you do find litter sadly around but it's the first time I've come across a a wicker basket dumped on the. That's
1: so weird. It's that like is, a really nice basket. Yeah. all right isn't it? How's that?
0: Strange. Some woodland sage <laughs> was collecting <laughs> m- medicine from the woods or something yeah. like that. Who knows? Stripping bark from woodland some tree. Woodland spirits. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yep. Um, I wanted to have a look at this, we've got quite a chunky ash tree in front of us. Oh okay. Um, So at this time of year it's quite hard to see the signs of ash dieback because they haven't got leaves on.
0: It is and when you look up, really they all become almost the same colour don't they, because it's just against a grey sky. So it's very hard to see a difference in color in the in the tree itself
1: it is hard to see but what what we can look at is um the tree we're looking at has got a fork and on the right hand branch it's got on sort of the main stem it's got loads of tiny little branches coming out that almost make it look hairy but sort of bristly i suppose is the word
0: yeah 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 okay So there's
1: lots of tiny little branches all the way up that quite large stem yeah and normally if you imagine a tree pattern you have really big stems that go to big branches, that go to slightly smaller branches, that go to slightly smaller branches. But what we're looking at is a a really chunky stem with tiny, tiny new growth growing up, which is a sign that the trees sort of panic growing. Something's wrong and it's not very happy. So it's, it's putting out loads of shoots to try and recover and reproduce. So that's quite a good sign in the winter. If it's got loads of tiny sort of bristly branches coming off a big, chunky stem, it's a sign it's not very happy. And just because ash dieback is so dominant here, we're assuming that that has there's probably it, there's got. It's a good
0: chance. That's what it is.
1: Ash dieback, and it's yeah. not a very happy tree.
0: Oh, okay, that's interesting. So normally, so on that, and you're talking about the the left-hand fork. Uh, the right. The right-hand, right-hand fork. Yeah. Back-up. Okay, so all those tiny little. Oh, I see. Yes, tiny, tiny little branches all the way up. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas yeah.
1: if you look at the left-hand one, which is, is slightly is not quite the same. It's got yeah.
0: that it's really smoother big stem all the way up with, yeah. with
1: normal-sized branches coming off and yeah. the smaller branches coming off them, and it doesn't yeah. have that tiny bristle. And you growth. can
0: compare it to some of the trees over there actually as yes. well. Yeah, yeah, which are much smoother.
1: So what can people?
0: We've sort of seen a few. We've got a bit of a sense of identifying ash dieback. Is there anything people can do if they come across that on their walks? Or it, is there? a something they must do in terms of reporting that kind of thing? I don't know. Um,
1: There's nothing you have to do because it's so sort of common now it's not like when you get a new tree disease and you have to you you know there's some diseases where people want to know as soon as you find them if you think they are that Um, but ash disease is so common that you don't need to report it anymore Um, and there's no legislation on what you do with the timber or anything because it's in the fungus it's in the soil once it's here we can't really do anything about it. Um, but what you can do is is look out because it's a problem all over the country so various people have volunteer opportunities like you say or they might be asking for donations to plant trees to replace the ash that have to be felled Um, so it's worth having a look what's going on in your local area around ash dieback if you want to get more involved and also keep an eye if you've got ash trees in your garden it's worth having a look in the summer to see if they're looking a bit poorly and whether you need to do something about that as well.
0: Kate, we've got a sense of the the reasons that we're taking away um the step back in terms of the prevention of the de- disease spreading what what are the you were just talking then about the other benefits of of that more more diverse woodland in places like this so the the disease which as you said you can't stop but you can um do your best to to increase the diversity and therefore mitigate the spread of the disease and other diseases within woodland habitats like this what are the other main benefits outside of that
1: um so as we've sort of been looking at some of our patches of woodland are are almost all ash in the canopy and they're not very diverse and in some of our woodlands because of the, the history of human intervention and the mining all of those ash trees started growing at the same time so there's not much diversity in terms of age and there's not much diversity in terms of species so with this sort of big partnership project we can because we're replanting with different species and we're we're planting new younger trees hopefully overall we're going to make all of the woodlands in the special area of conservation more diverse in terms of species and in terms of age which means not only are they more resistant to ash dieback hopefully but There's other tree diseases out there that might get here in the future if we're unlucky. So making the woodlands more resilient means if something hits a different tree species, there's still other species there. If it hits the younger trees, there'll be older trees and vice versa. So it's just making them more diverse to hopefully continue to grow in the future who knows what climate change will happen here what effect that's going to have on our woodlands so if we keep that woodland cover keep lots of seed sources so that it can keep regenerating itself then not only do we get to keep the trees but we get to keep all of the ground flora, like we've been looking at and all of the bird species and the insects and the fungus that goes with it that's the idea anyway lovely and
0: that the key there is diversity versus homogenization isn't it and I, I guess The lovely thing about that is diversity whatever way you look at it seems to be a great thing for anybody whether it's diversity in our kind of human everyday life um, or diversity in our natural life it clearly is something that matters a great deal
1: yeah yeah. definitely it just makes everything more resilient to whatever comes next basically which Mm. is really important Um, and loads of work has gone into this project to make sure that the species replanting aren't going to have a detrimental effect because obviously they're such special landscapes that you don't want to go in there and do stuff that's going to have a negative impact. So quite a lot of pilot projects have gone into this to to see how it's all going to work and look at what these sort of woodlands should have in terms of species so that we're planting the right things in the right places. So quite a lot of work has gone into making sure it's hopefully not going to have a negative effect um, on anything and it's just going to improve the diversity where we can.
0: So just a a few last words Kate because we've We've come back down, i back in the car park at Millersdale and we were talking on the way down the steps. We're just talking about the sort of the, the personal impact of this kind of work and how it leaves you feeling. So could you just say a bit about that?
1: Yeah, it's it's sort of really hard to imagine because even though we know we're gonna lose loads of ash trees and we're in an ash-dominated landscape, it's really it's really hard to imagine that all those favourite trees that you, you see every day on the way to work or that in your garden or, or where you take the dog for a walk, that they won't be there maybe in a few years and that's quite hard to imagine and doing the work we're trying to be as sensitive as possible and do it as, as well as possible so that we're doing the right things in the right places. We're still felling a lot of trees because we have to and it's, it's really sad because some of those trees are going to be huge and will be really really old but, but for safety reasons or you know because they're on an A road they have to come down um, and that's really, it's really sad every time it happens, no matter how many trees you plant to replace it, or you, you check for bats, you check for wildlife and make sure you do it as well as possible. Um, it is going to be really sad for the next few years that we're going to lose so many trees and we have to fell trees because of this disease.
0: suppose, although it's difficult and sad, it is also quite a good thing that people have those feelings in some way or another. You know.
1: Yeah, it's a good reminder to appreciate what we've got and that we need to look after things because they might not be there forever for whatever reason and climate change is going to have a massive effect. So it's yeah it's good to be reminded that just because trees are really old and seem really resilient they're they're quite fragile as well and we've got to be careful how we treat them and look after our nature in general
0: thanks once again to kate brunswick there for taking us out into the woods and she talked about reminders um about nature there at the end and i think i just want to leave you with with one reminder really which is just the sounds of the ravines so we've recorded um just the the general ambience of that area of nature that we were in and as you know there's a river running at the bottom of the ravine and you can hear a road. So sometimes there are traffic noise. Um but there's also some lovely quiet moments and you begin to hear the birds uh in the trees on this very grey uh, day in December twenty twenty one. Um but yeah, just listen through. We've recorded it in stereo audio for you so you can just sit back. Imagine that you're there just sitting at the top of this ravine, listening to the nature all around you.